Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Palm Sunday always makes me remember how thankful I am that I'm someone who knows that He is to get my praise. You know, there are people who don't know that. <laughs> so y'all know what a reveal is. Like, um, okay, so like um, Steve Jobs when he came out with the iPod, right? <laughs> what would he do? They would call all the media in. They'd be in a big auditorium. Nobody knows what he's going to announce, but they know it's going to be good. This is going to change the world. And then he announces something like a thousand songs in your pocket. And they cheer, right? The reveal. For me, I'm kind of more into shotguns. Um, <laughs> and I can remember Benelli, like several years back, Benelli was going to reveal the Da Vinci. Does anybody know the Da Vinci? I'm the only one that knows the Da Vinci? Oh, okay, we got some Benelli people. I was about to get scared like I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> Did anybody else see the reveal when it came out? They were sending out this internet thing in waves that like you'd get, I don't remember if it was one every day or one every week, but they were going, Da Vinci, it's coming. And you're like, what's Da Vinci? <laughs> and, to like, and they would give you like a piece of information and then Da Vinci was out, the whole shotgun redesign, right? These are reveals. You know, that's what... Um, Palm Sunday is. In fact, the whole Da Vinci thing, it's kind of really, I think shotgun manufacturers really have it right. It's really like, you know, there were prophecies of Jesus, the Messiah's coming. And it's this progressive revelation. And then you get to his, um, we like to call it the triumphal entry. Um, I won't get into that because that'll take me off track. And uh, you've all seen me do that before and that can get ugly. Um, but then the day comes, right? And he comes um, riding in. Um, this, what we celebrate today is the big reveal, like who he is. Now, we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, I'll just warn you, if you're a paper turner still, like me, um, get your fingers ready because you know there are, there are parts of Scripture and parts of the story where you, you, can, you study these little intimate moments. And that's usually my favorite, to tell you the truth. But then there are big picture things, like his triumphal entry. And if you're really going to understand that moment, you've got to like run all over the place because it's, it's a big picture thing. So that's just my warning. We're going to run all over the place. Um, in fact, if you want to start turning now, it's going to take me a minute to get there, but go to Matthew 16. You know, you can know Jesus and, um, in fact, you can know him well and still not know him accurately, at least parts of him. In fact, in fact, I personally believe that we will spend the rest of eternity getting to know him more intimately and more accurately. Do you agree with that? Okay. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we taught on familiarity. You remember the town that he grew up in? The Word of God literally says that he couldn't do, he couldn't really manifest the kingdom. Well, he could have, I guess. He could have done anything he wanted. But he didn't really manifest the kingdom there because they were so familiar with him. They knew him so well that they had trouble knowing the most important things about him. 
How many of y'all were here for that teaching? Hey, we're going to talk a little bit about the kind of like that this morning. We're going to do it in the context of, of his entry into Jerusalem. Um, here in uh, Matthew 16, we'll start in verse 13. And we're going to just begin this morning to take a journey. And we're going to see, um, we're going to make th- that day personal for you. Okay, do you know that that's the story of your life too? Do you know that? Does that sound good? Good plan? Okay, here in verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I am? I'm sorry, let me try that again. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Just notice that he wanted to go ahead and identify, I mean, the closest disciples kind of get to cheat on the test. (laughs) Did you see that? You're on the inside loop. He tells them who he is, but he says, who do they say I am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now listen, then he says to the disciples, his closest ones, Um, Okay, I wasn't going to do this, but (laughs) who else is one of his closest disciples? Yeah, you know you're his favorite. (laughs) I mean, almost as favorite as I am. Um, But you are, you are, when you read about his closest disciples, that's you. Those are the people who have chosen to spend their lives following him because they want to participate in what he's doing. Okay, that's you, right? Okay, so the story's about you. And so he, then he says to them, but who do you say that I am? You realize this, this, really, this really is connected to this whole triumphal entry thing, right? Who do you say that I am? Isn't that really the central question? And I don't believe he's asking like factually, who do you say do I am? Who do you say that I am? Well, you're the son of God. You are the word that was God and was with God from the beginning. And we can quote scripture and everything, right? But I think he's really asking, like in your life, um, who do you actually say that I am? What do you actually believe about? How do you know me? Okay, verse 16 says, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So I'm just gonna pause for a minute. We're gonna keep reading there, so don't, don't move. But... Um, don't go anywhere. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm entertaining myself now. <laughs> I'm just going to pause for a minute for you to, for you to dig, just, just for a second. Who do you say that he is? Let him bring a word. What do you really believe? It's okay to be honest. He knows anyway. <laughs> Who do you say that he is? Who is he to you? So y'all know him a little bit, a couple of you anyway. The rest of you still working on it? Okay, me too. What about when he doesn't seem to meet your expectation? What about when he falls short (laughs) of what you thought or hoped? Then he is, isn't he? Then who do you say who he is? And we're going to look at that. I'm sorry, who's... He is still God Almighty. We're going to look at that, okay? 
Let's go to verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Do you know um, those of you who know him in a way where you're calling things out or if you, or if you kept it with yourself, um, you know that was revealed from heaven. You can just offer a praise for that. Just the fact that you know that. You know, there are people who don't know that. <laughs> Thank you, God. And but my Father who's in heaven. And then he says, and also I say to you that you, now listen, Peter says you're the Christ. And Jesus says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. What's going on here? Kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Did you see what just happened? Do you see... um, his triumphal entry, you see, is the big reveal of his real identity. In fact, what's the, okay, let's do this. What's the biggest reveal? If, huh? Okay, actually, that, that's good. That, that wasn't what I was doing, but I have to go, you're right. <laughs> I'm thinking when they lifted him up, you know, in the wilderness, they lifted up the serpent on the pole and his identity is made known. yes. But then, um, but then Max had to trump. So <laughs> that's it, Max. You keep it up. And what was I saying? <laughs> See, you threw me. <laughs> oh, you guys are fun. And so what happens? He identifies who Jesus is and what, do you know that the recognition of Jesus does what for you? It speaks true self over you, does it not? That's what we just read. It, it releases your identity. And in fact, with a blessing with it. He not only said you're Peter and walked away, he said you're Peter and I give you the authority of heaven. <laughs> you know, that's your story. For all those who stand in recognition of his real identity and who he is, not just a great teacher or some bozo who goes off the rails sometime, but you know that he's the Christ, what it does is it speaks your name. It recon- what does the word of God say? You will be like him when what? When you see him as he is. You see, seeing him as he is releases who you are and comes with, a, with the authority of having the blessing on top of it. Amen? That's your story. That's not just Peter's story. It says, um, it says, that, uh, it says, then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. I'm just going to put this out there. I can't pause now. Or I'll run out of time for sure. I got stuff to say. But um, just note that there's a timing thing that we just read right there. He's saying, don't go tell anybody yet. Okay, I'm just going to put a seed out there. It's a timing thing. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to, to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. <laughs> Thank you, God. 
and be raised on the third day. Then Peter, now listen, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Listen, has anybody received a rebuke from the Lord before? I've lost count. I'm kind of a mess except for when he's involved. Um, I'm the one where it says don't be like a mule where you've got to be bridled. And um, I've had my share of rebellion. But I'm really thankful. God's never really spoken. God's never said to me, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and it's probably good because I think I would crumple down and be like, oh, <laughs> I would not be able to hand that, handle that. I think that's evidence of intimacy. You know how when you're with a friend, like there, there's something I can say to you that like if someone else said it, there'd be a fist fight, but I can go ahead and, right? I think that's this. And I don't think he's calling him Satan. I think he's saying what you're doing right now is operating in a spirit contrary to me. Okay? But now here's what I want you to see. How did Peter go off the rails? I'm going to show you how we do this all the time. At least I can speak for myself. What was it that went off the rails in this moment? When he says, um, far be it from you. You're not going to do that. We can't have that. That's what Peter says. Now I'm going to tell you, this is, may not usually be perspective your perspective, but I'm going to give you a historical perspective and it's important. You know the disciples, uh, and I'm going to prove it to you in a second, so so track with me. (laughs) Um, Do you know that the disciples still believed that he was going to um, set all things right? They were still, they still had a part of their mind where they're thinking he was going to get Caesar off the throne and restore restore the, the nation of Israel in the physical right now. They were walking with him thinking that this is what was coming. Do you know that? So you know what's happening here? You were reading a moment. Now listen to me. This is, this is really a big thing the Lord wants to say this morning. We're reading a moment where Jesus doesn't match Peter's narrative. Are you following? He's got, a, he's got an idea about how, the, how who this Jesus that he follows is and therefore how it's going to go. And Jesus is not matching that narrative. That can't happen. They can't kill you. You're going to be the king that sits on the throne. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't work for me. How many of you had a moment in your life where Jesus suddenly wasn't matching your narrative? <laughs> You've spoken promises over my life. This is not that. (laughs) Everything falling apart on me. This is not that. My body being sick like this and I'm crying out for healing and I'm not getting it. This is not what you say about your, I'm supposed to believe about you. This is that one of those moments for Peter. Do you see that? Peter's still expecting Jesus to rise and be a worldly king. Now, if you're struggling to, to kind of be on board on that, go with me to Acts 1. I just want to show you this before we move on, okay? You know, when we go to Acts 1, now we're after, he, after his death and resurrection. We've kind of done a leap. I told you we're going to go all over the place. We just sort of have to. <clears throat> this is after 
his death and resurrection, now he's appearing to them and he's, he's shown up to give some instructions. You know, in this church, we still believe that he's doing that. <laughs> we still go before him and we go, Lord, we, we, would, we, um, we acknowledge that your presence is among us. Will you speak? Will you give us direction? Well, that's what he's doing. He's showing up. He's giving directions. I'm starting right in verse 1. It says, um, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he'd chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, I believe I'm having a Holy Spirit thought here. Let me just put out there, how many of you, when Peter said, you're not going to do that, and Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan, do you think that what we just read was part of the narrative he had at that moment? Now, his thoughts are higher than ours, right? Okay, I'm going to read on. Here's why we're reading it. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Who's that? The Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now listen. If you tuned out, tune back in. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? See, now I just want to show you something. Does anybody ever feel like the boofus of the kingdom of God? <laughs> All right, me too. I just want to show you that, that just like these 12 who were his favorite, who were his closest, so, just, so you, just like them, you, you are his favorite, his closest ones, they still had that misunderstanding. I mean, he's still showing up, like trying to give them instructions and their preconceptions of his plan, really their preconceptions, what they wanted to put on him of who they believed he was and so therefore how he was going to work out his plan was still not tr truly on track. <laughs> They're still saying... Um, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Now I'm going to keep reading for a second. It goes on and says, And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive... So now he goes back to... Um, now can we go back to what I was talking about? He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, now, look, that's really his way of saying, um, <laughs> you really should just pay attention to what I'm saying, <laughs> right? Isn't that it? Because they're bringing, you see, they're packed with, um, with theology. They're, in fact, you might say they're the most discipled people on the face of the earth at this moment. <laughs> yes? And yet they're still bringing, they're still growing into an accurate knowledge of who he is. Is anybody interested in growing into a more accurate knowledge? Do you know you're still doing that? In fact, that's called intimacy. 
Do you know, like, if you were to define intimacy, right? Um, unlike the way our culture defines it, intimacy is a, is a deeper knowing and accurate knowing of each other. So they never anticipated he'd be fulfilling it the way he's doing right now. I, and I got to tell you this. This, was, this is so on my heart. I believe in this moment that Jesus is like craving to say, yes, I am restoring the kingdom to Israel right now. In fact, I've already done it, <laughs> right? But he knows, what's the problem? He knows if he says yes, if he tells them the whole truth right now, and says, yes, I've, I've already done it. And that's what I'm telling you about. I'm sending the Holy Spirit so the kingdom is within you. And spiritually, it's completely restored. But if he says yes, he knows they'll misunderstand because what are they really asking? Governmental. Governmental. They're really asking, are you going to make my physical world the way I like it right now? <laughs> I still thought he was going to rise a leader. And he's still asking, you know, then I'm going to get, I'm going to move right into this now, but I just want to plant this. You know that all the time in your life, he's saying, who do you say that I am? And he's going, no, no, I mean, really. Don't, don't quote a scripture at me. I'm really saying, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? What do you believe about me? In fact, I want to do this before I move on. Um, I'd like you to just stop and think of a moment in your life um, when Jesus started to fail you. <laughs> Did that cause anybody pain? <laughs> like, mm, I don't know, is that possible? Could that have happened? Yeah, in your perception, okay? Yes. I want you to go ahead and, and just have a real moment. Just consider. Think of a time in the past that um, that was, I thought you loved me. <laughs> I thought you had good plans. This is going off the rails. Got it? Raise your hand if you got one. Are there some of you in here who don't have one of those? <laughs> I got like 20 of them. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a whiner. I, am, I, am I a whiner? <laughs> I've had so many times in my life where I'm like, that's not what I expected. What are you doing? You've spoke promises over my life. <laughs> Okay, I want to show you another place. Go to John chapter 6 with me, okay? John chapter 6 will be in verse 60, and while you're turning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up a little bit. Um, do you know Jesus knew how to scatter a crowd? <laughs> do you know the how? He did it the same way every time. Speaking truth. All he had to do was put too much in the dump truck deliberately and then, and then dump. And... <laughs> place would scatter right and why would he scatter a crowd you know he also knew when to scatter a crowd it was deliberate and why would he do it you see he's interested in the heart oftentimes what would happen is crowds would start to follow him 
um, because they liked what, he, what, he, what he's got, <laughs> right? They would start to see the signs. They would see the kingdom manifest. You know where Jesus was, the kingdom manifests. That's why his call on your life is wherever you go, the kingdom is supposed to manifest. You're the carrier of the kingdom of God, right? And um, you, you, the followings can develop around where the kingdom manifests. But he was interested in the heart. See, he wants, he wants people who pursue him because they know who he, who he is. <laughs> uh, I follow you because of who you are, whether it's going my way or it's not going my way. <laughs> There's a difference between the two. Do you know that? All revival, all outpouring of the Holy Spirit begins at repentance, at confession of who we are and a revelation of who you are and then outpours the Spirit so that the kingdom can manifest. Amen, it goes in that order. Did you catch it? Okay. See, all right, I gotta do this. He loves you too much. Do you know that? If there's any part of you that's following out of a motive other than, than it's who you are, I follow you because I know who you are, that doesn't lead to life. And he is crazy in love with you. He's not okay with, with fostering that false game plan. He'll do a scattering in you. Do you know that? He will scatter <laughs> in order to bring you into a following of him because of who he is. Whether what's going on right now stinks or not. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, I'll go ahead and read this. Here, um, he, he needs to scatter a crowd. And the way that he does it is he starts talking about the necessity of needing to eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> okay, so he begins to scatter the crowd. And let me see where I put this. Yeah, we'll just start reading in verse 60. And it says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? In other words, do you know how that translates in modern English? In other words, they're going, He's a nutcase. That's the direct translation in modern English. In the, in the, in the modern Paul translation, it's the, the people, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? It's the, woo-hoo, somebody's losing it. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm serious. They're in the crowd, that's the woo-hoo moment. Like, um, he's going off the rails. That we've been following him because we like what he gets, but that's a little off the rails. You know, how often does Jesus go off the rails in your life? Not what you expected? Okay, verse 61 goes on and says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? If the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. I'm sorry, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And listen, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life, but some of you do not believe. Now let's talk about belief for a second. Okay, do you know belief? Um, belief, faith, is a belief that perseveres through the woo-hoo moment. Are you tracking? When it goes so weird that you're like, God can't even possibly be good. Or, oh, wow, Jesus, you just, <laughs> you just went someplace that I'm, 
I'm not, I don't understand what you're doing. And yet, you've decided one thing. You've decided um, you're the only thing worth following. When I understand what you're doing, when I have, when I have no idea what you're doing, it doesn't even seem like it's, it's, it resonates with the nature of who you are. I don't get this. <laughs> but I follow you anyway because there's nothing else worth it. It goes on and says, um, For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it's been granted to him by my Father. Now listen, um, verse 66. You might notice, this always just catches my attention. This is, verse, this is John 666. <laughs> I just have to put it out there. The place where everybody turns and doesn't follow him anymore. It says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now listen, you closest favorite disciples of his, listen. He says, Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? See, I'm going to tell you, I think he does this moment in our life all the time. He, he brings us, he, he journeys with us, he brings us into circumstances, and he, and he says, and he just, sometimes he whispers, sometimes he screams, and he says, who do you say that I am? How about now? <laughs> do you experience that? Okay, you're all getting quiet on me, I'm making sure I'm not going somewhere you can't come or something. <laughs> You see, and we need to stop for a minute. We need to look at this for a minute because I think we get, you know, the scriptures get too familiar to us. Like we've heard it too many times. You know what I mean? And we have to just stop and go, like, what is this? Let's look at this moment. These disciples have been laboring with him. In fact, they gave, they left everything behind. They gave everything up and they follow the guy wherever he goes. <laughs> right? They're, they're, is that your life? They're laboring with him in, in a promise, in a hope of where they're headed. They're building a ministry. And remember, in their minds, they still have a large part of their mind that's thinking they're about to overtake Rome. And man, this is great. They're seeing crowds growing. And they're like, well, here comes the armies. We're starting to see now how he's going to do it. <laughs> that's me most of the time, I'm sure. I'm going around like, oh, now I see. And then later I'm like, wow, I did not see. I did not see that coming. <laughs> right? That's what they're doing. They're laboring with him. But here's what I want you to see. This is the moment where Jesus goes weird on everybody, the ooh moment, and, and everybody starts to scatter and leave. You know that I had to just pause for a minute and put yourself in the story. That had to be kind of a devastating moment for the disciples. They're standing there like, oh, <laughs> like you could have thought out your words better, Jesus. I mean, that's, look what's going on. I mean, how long did it take us to build that crowd up? <laughs> this is, it's a devastating moment and it's in that moment that Jesus says, do you also want to go? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the words of eternal life. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying, one thing Peter gets, even though I personally think Peter's mind is blown 
just as much as every other person in the crowd who just left. I really think so. I just, I'm just putting it in real life. I think he's like, you're a nutcase, but, but <laughs> where else am I going to go? You know, we, we look at that sentence like it's a really pious sentence. Have you done that? Like, like, um, like uh, boy, he just understands everything. Like, of course not. Where else would I go, Lord? <laughs> I don't think that's what's going on. I think he's really saying, well, I don't think I have anywhere else to go. I don't really understand what's going on. And, you know, it's actually a blessed place. You know, a couple things have to be true. You have to know something about him. And you have to know nothing else is more worth it. Because sometimes when you're in the place in your life where, um, where what you have to say to God is, well, I don't know where else I would go, that can be a pretty low place sometimes, isn't it? That's a real reset. I just, and I just hope that this morning that um, I know some of you are going through really hard stuff. And um, just let me, let me reassure, God is not the author of evil. Go ahead and say it to somebody next to you. God is not the author of evil. <laughs> what we know about him is that he, he is going to fulfill all of his promises and every spoken word over you and everything he's promised in his word and everything the Holy Spirit has promised to you personally when he whispers to your heart. And um, he is good for it. Okay, but that doesn't mean we don't reach these moments. And so important we, we understand him accurately in these moments when you say, where else am I going to go? And he whispers and he says, now who do you say that I am? How about now when everything falls apart? When the most valuable thing in the world gets stripped from you? Now who do you say that I am? Okay, um, go with me to John 7. Did I give you that one, Paula? I just, wanna, I just really want to hit one more thing here, and then I believe the Lord wants to actually do something this morning. Do you believe that? Okay. Good. Otherwise, why would we come here? <laughs> I feel like I need to go back. Although I think it's right here. Go back to um, 6, chapter um, 6, verse 70. Here it says, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you? Okay. Listen, so, um, so I am going to go back. I'm just feeling this. They say, Lord, um, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's all you need, right? And Jesus answered them and says, did I not choose you? You know, it's, th that's the thing. It's like um, no matter what happens in our circumstances, we can stand there and say, Boy, this is not how I understood that it would go. <laughs> 
but I was chosen by the king of the universe. That I know. <laughs> okay, and then the next verse, I didn't even realize these went just right in order. It's cool the way God puts them in order for you like that. <laughs> and then... Um, Verse 1 goes, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the, Jew, the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. So these words now. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. What are they telling him? They're having this realization. They're like, man, thing, things are really going great for us. I think we're getting pretty close to that overthrow of Rome we've been waiting for. Isn't that what they're doing? And they're saying, they're saying, go do the reveal, would you? Go, go show them who you are. But then it says, for even his brothers did not believe in him. There's a testing going on here. Do you see that? And Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. What's he trying to say? <laughs> you see, it's always your calling to reveal him with abandon. Do you see that? But he is, he is, he is following a timing in the revelation of himself. Why? Why? It's the same thing we've been talking about. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because it's true in your life. And I want you to know this. He has a timing. Do you know that he is going to reveal more of his identity to you? Thank God, right? He is going to bring you into a deeper intimacy, but he's going to do it on his timing. Why? We talked about it already. You realize if, if he gives it to you when you're not ready, it's the dump truck. Okay, and he loves you so much. He's wooing, he's wooing, um, what's the word? He's courting, ever courting into a deeper intimacy based on his timing. You see it in the scriptures. Because I want to tell you, and here it is, when he reveals his true identity, it does a couple of things. The first and foremost one is it does force you to respond. Do you know that? I don't care what kind of moment or what it is about his identity that he's revealing an accuracy, a knowing, an intimacy that you didn't have before. The first dire consequence is, like it or not, you have something to respond to. And then, because based on your response, it will either bring you into an intimacy and a worship that releases your identity, the, the scripture where we started, or you'll take the other fork. You, it'll scatter. And he'll still, he'll never stop loving you. He'll still be pursuing you back, okay? I've taken the wrong fork <laughs> more often than the right one in my life. Because how many of you know, I, I'm really asking, how many of you have been through things where you know that when Jesus reveals the truth about himself in a deeper way than you've ever known before, it's, it usually tends to be deeply disturbing. <laughs> it usually tends to shatter and, and wreck stuff apart. 
<laughs> That's a beautiful smile. <laughs> Done that a few times? <laughs> you see, and when, now, now here's what I want to give you. When he does that, that's a moment. I feel like I need to just stop and pray for a minute. Father, as we approach Easter, I just pray over the folks here and I just ask as in, that you would create holy moments of revelation of your identity and who you are. And I ask, Lord, that um, you said that we could only come if we're drawn to you. And so, Lord, I ask for the miracle, the, the divine gift of being able to respond, that we would be able to respond in a way that takes us into your intimacy when you grant those revelations. Father, I make this prayer in faith that you're actually going to do this in these hearts. Okay, I didn't follow the game plan at all this morning, really. Okay, one more thing, and then, and then I want to go into um, just a little time of ministry here, okay? You know when he rode in on a donkey? Okay, first of all, let me give you some history. Do you know that, first of all, he was fulfilling prophecy? Y'all know that. It was prophesied he was going to come in that way and um, on that timing. In fact, he's, do you know that um, when he rode in on that donkey, he rode in on the very same moment that for thousands of years they'd been doing this even when, even when the place of the glory of God was the, was the tent <laughs> that went across the desert or whatever. But now... It's, it's at the temple. So for about 500 years, they've been going down this exact road to start this final feast season week. And what they would do is they would literally, they would bind the lambs and bind them on the backs of donkeys because... Because they had to present the lambs perfect. So a lot of times they wouldn't even let the, long, the lambs walk down the road because they might get marred or something and then the sacrifice, that would ruin the whole vacation. I mean, the sacrifice that they were bringing wouldn't be good enough anymore. So they would bind them and wrap them and wrap them up, bind them and take them in on donkeys just as Jesus is coming in. At the exact moment they've been doing it, he's coming in bound in obedience to the Father for you. The big reveal, his identity's coming out. But now here's what's ironic. Okay, I'm going to pull it together. <laughs> Leave me alone. They're copying the Romans. That's what's ironic here. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's happening. And that probably the truth is you can only copy God. He did everything first. Um, but th this is the way a Roman hero would come in. Of course, he would not be on a donkey. He would be on a huge steed in prestigious armor. And, and after a victory in battle would come down this road and all would worship and praise the hero. They would 
put tree branches and oftentimes throw their clothing exactly like they're doing for Jesus. It was a Roman thing. And you remember that the disciples are thinking they bring their preconceptions to Jesus and how he is to be for them in their lives, right? He's going to be that military winner for them. And here he comes on a donkey. He's gone off the rails. That's not their narrative. <laughs> you see? Um, some, many, know to praise him anyway. They've decided one thing. We've, we've decided um, that even when it's a hoo-hoo moment, like it would have been a little embarrassing. It would have been a little odd, him coming on this donkey. Almost in the appearance of a joke, but some praised anyway because they made up their mind that he's the only thing that's worth it. We'll praise him because we know who he is. Are you tracking? And so, um, okay, so I'm going to start wrapping now and then we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to move, okay? You always have that invitation. (laughs) But we're going to do it intentionally, okay? When I read the original story before our praise time this morning, um, did you notice what he did just after the entry? What was the, at least in that gospel, what was the first thing that he went down and did? (laughs) He went and cleansed the temple. He knocked over the money changers and, and disturbed everything they're doing there. Now, Sometimes it's hard for us to put ourselves in their, in their place. Like, what was he actually doing? And I know that you probably know the gist of it, that they're, they're selling the doves and the sacrifices and things. It had become biz, big business. And honestly, um, Jesus is the greatest entrepreneur that ever lived. He's gonna, his investments are going to make the wealthiest kingdom we've ever seen. I don't think he's against entrepreneurs or business, but really, what's he against? They had created a barrier. You understand that if people are on the journey to go have an encounter with the presence of God, they're going where the, where the presence of God is, where the holy of holies, where the glory is, and they're making their pilgrimage to come into the presence of God. And what they've done is they've set up hindrance on the way. Out in the outer court of this, you had to, you had to pass through, and you, you had to have what it took to buy what you need to keep going any further or it wouldn't even make any sense to go any further. What you're reading here is they'd set up barriers to people getting into the presence of God. Okay? And now I want to tell you something. Y'all know, y'all who are here regularly know that um, who, who else is the temple of God? You are. You are the place of God's glory. You're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So when you read about the temple, you're reading about yourself. And so I want to tell you something. You have, you also, and I include myself in this number with the greatest of humility, you have tables set up too. You've got some things you've set up on the way to the presence of God. To get, into the, to get into the presence where the kingdom of God is, where, you're, where he is, where he meets with you in your interior place. We, we all have tables in the way. He's going to spend the rest of his life. Do you know that he's a Jesus who loves you so much that he's willing to throw over your tables 
especially if you'll invite him. These guys didn't invite. I have a feeling they weren't so happy with him. Um, but you know what? Sometimes we're not so happy with him. When he starts throwing over tables and we're going, this doesn't fit my narrative. And he goes, yeah, who do you say that I am anyway, though? We need some tables thrown over. Do you agree? Who's in agreement with me? Okay. Okay, here's what I want to do. Actually, this is what he wants to do, I believe. <laughs> I'm just going to invite you, if you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes. And, and let me tell you where we're going. I, I think this time you deserve a road map. I've been a little intense today. <laughs> um, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal the biggest table. That's, that's standing, that is in the way, that you have to walk around or is keeping you from going, going right on into the presence of God, where his voice and his glory is, where his revelation for your next steps, where his healing, where his peace if you've been hurt lately, where all the benefits of the kingdom of God are in his presence. That's the only place you get them. <laughs> that's because, because what? That's the only place you, you really get him in intimacy. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal a table that he wants to knock over and, and then you're going to get to choose if you want to invite him to knock it over for you. Okay? Do you believe he wants to do this? Okay. Okay, thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you. Just take some deep breaths and just begin by inviting him from your deepest place. Just dig to your deepest place. Come, Holy Spirit. We know you're here already. But come upon us in the power of the kingdom. And Father, I ask you to grant a picture of a table to each one. Just start by letting him show you what the table looks like. Maybe what's sitting on it. Is there something on the table? If he gives them to you, and if you can, notice the details. What does he want to show you? Okay, if he's not already there, <laughs> standing with you in your awareness, will you just invite him over? It may just be a sense of his presence, or you may see him. At this point, he really is the only thing to focus on. <laughs> He really is all there is. Yeah. 
Would you like him to knock over the table? Okay, invite him. And watch as he does it. Invite him to kick over the table. And then walk on past. Go on into the holy place. He spilled his blood. You can come in. He's washed you in the blood. You're complete. You're pure. Go on into the holy place. Jesus. Father God, I thank you for your desire to have this intimacy with all of us. We thank you for the invitation to come back to this holy place anytime we want, to come into your presence. And I ask you, Jesus, in your strong name, in defiance of all evil, and that the light always overcomes the darkness, in your strong name, Jesus, I just seal this work in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I seal whatever you've just done, Lord, in the hearts of people. And I pray in the might of your name that you would be making open doors like never before, open doors for us to come and be intimate with you and enter into this holy place. And over this next week, in the name of Jesus, I, I ask that you would continue to reveal more and more tables. I ask that you'd drive us nuts with it. Just keep bringing them to our mind so that we could just keep inviting you to get all the tables out of the way so there's nothing between us and coming into your presence. I ask that you would be making us a body in your strong name, Jesus, that you'd be making us a body that we are the people of that presence, that we've removed so many of the barriers to getting into the, to having your presence abiding in us, that wherever we go, we become a force of light, that wherever we walk, that the kingdom of darkness is automatically being pushed back just because we're there with your presence with us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm worn out. <laughs> I'm going to go, well, no, I'm not taking a nap. <laughs> There's too many things to do. I could take a nap. Can anybody take a nap after that, or is it just me? I'm going to ask the Lord to help me come up with more jokes or something to put in there next time. Is anybody blessed? Does anybody want to give the Lord a cheer? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Be blessed.